That was amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, just made your heart sing, didn't it? Um, I'm really sorry, but I don't have any sweets. <laughs> Matt, do you do that every Sunday at church? <laughs> incredible, incredible. Um, such a privilege to be here today and take part um, in this service. We came to Hook here 25 years ago when Paul came. Um, and I have to say, Paul has taken a huge risk in inviting so many who know him so long to speak today. And Matt, you've behaved amazingly. I'm, I'm going to have to disappoint you too and behave this morning. You know, under God, we're in, we're in chapter 2 of uh, 2 Timothy. If you've got that open, that would be great. Um, under God, myself and others are in pastoral ministry today because Paul believes and Paul models training leaders as described in verse 2. Have a look at verse 2. The Apostle Paul says to Timothy, the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. And Paul has nurtured, Paul has encouraged uh, people into ministry, but also here week in, week out, onto the front line of living for Jesus uh, in, our, in, in daily lives for so many people. And I think it's fair to say that Paul is a, a faithful spiritual father to so many of us. And so I've been really looking forward to saying verse 1 to Paul this morning. You then, my son. <laughs> Look at verse 1. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now in chapter 2 here, the Apostle Paul is, is urging Timothy to stand for the gospel. We've just seen how people were deserting Paul uh, and not standing for the gospel. And Timothy, and in fact us today, if we're to do that, we have to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It's the only way. But I wonder if you feel this, that actually so often in Christian ministry or in our Christian lives, being told to be strong can feel a bit like telling a snail to go fast. It just it just feels hard. You feel weak. You feel overwhelmed by sin and by discouragement, by slow progress. And so be strong. Go fast can feel even crushing. In the 2013 animated film Turbo, anyone seen that? Hands up, Turbo. Uh, maybe younger generation. Not many people. Okay, let me tell you. Uh, you've missed out. There's an ordinary garden snail named Theo. I know you, you're realizing already you've missed out loads. Um, he calls himself Turbo and uh, crazily dreams of winning the Indy 500 car race, as you do. It's a bonkers film. Uh, he has this freak accident, and he gets super speed. And uh, that's even more crazy. And spoiler alert... Turbo the snail, of course, wins the 500, Indy 500 car race. Now, look, it's no freak accident, but it's the grace of Jesus Christ that turbocharges the snail in verse 1. It's not a, a crazy, impossible command. You know, just be strong. Pull yourself together here. But no, in verse 1, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The grace of God that in chapter 1, 9, and 10 is eternal. It is saving, and it comes through Christ who has destroyed death, who has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. 
It's that powerful grace of Jesus Christ. That is what we're to be strong in. It's grace that as we, as we lean into it, it is in fact enough for us, whatever we're facing. And it turbocharges our lives so that spiritual snails like you and me can go fast. And Paul outlines what being strong in Jesus' grace looks like in chapter 2. And there are six pictures, six metaphors. Firstly, grace grows a soldier's focus. Look at verse 3 and 4. Grace grows, grows a soldier's focus. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please their commanding officer. Now, we live in a, a materialistic world whose values so often oppose and also distract us from living a Jesus-centered life. And so we need a soldier's focus, whose sole purpose is to please our commanding officer, the Lord Jesus Christ, who in his grace laid down his life in the battle to eternally save us. The grace of Christ, it grows gospel priorities in our lives. So it's a little easier to know what to say yes to, what to say no to. And so we live to please him, even when that means suffering for him. Secondly, grace grows an athlete's obedience. An athlete's athlete's obedience. Look at verse 5. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. Uh, when I was working here with Paul and Dave Weimark was here at the time, and we used to do the, uh, a weekly circuit training. Remember that? Um, and um, it wasn't that competitive. I mean, they were so far behind, I lost them. Um, <laughs> I, actually, that's a lie. That's, that's not actually true. We had a lot of fun, um, but we, we were never serious or good athletes, really. Every athlete knows that if you're going to compete to win, you've got to obey the rules. You can't cheat. And so with the race of the Christian life, the grace of Christ paying the price to save you, well, that not that what melts your heart? To obey Christ, you want to? Even when obedience to him is costly and puts you in a minority in your family or at work, or amongst friends. Grace grows an athlete's obedience and results in the victor's crown. Jesus eternal, well done, good and faithful servant. Thirdly, grace grows a farmer's sweat. A farmer's sweat. Look at verse 6. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. You know the old joke, uh, pastors only work on a Sunday. Yeah, some of you have said that to me, I think. Um, I, when I started working with Paul, I discovered that it's um, actually not true. Uh, Paul modeled what it looks like, or rather what it smells like, uh, to have a farmer's sweat. Working hard for Jesus. I think we see, see that in, in both Paul and Rose's life. Driven not by duty, by the grace of Jesus. Loving Jesus, loving people. 
You know, everyone works hard for something, for someone. Let it be for Jesus. There might be a harvest of holiness in your life and of gospel impact in the lives of people around you. That is what the grace of Christ grows. A farmer's sweat, hard gospel work, it brings a harvest of godliness. And people around you see that Jesus matters to you. Maybe you're thinking this morning, my goodness, isn't grace a bit more chilled out than this? In verses 8 to 13, the Apostle Paul says, just remember the pattern here. It's suffering and salvation. Remember Jesus Christ. He, he suffered for you that you might be saved. Paul says, remember me. I suffered that people might get the gospel. Don't be surprised that it's hard living for Jesus Christ. That is precisely why we are called to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So fourthly, grace grows unashamed workers. Look at verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. You see, there were, verse 14, Bible teachers quarreling about words. Verse 16, godless chatterers. Verse 18, those who had led people away departed from the truth. But like me at archery, they missed the mark in their teaching. But actually, rather than swerving away from the truth of God's word, the grace of Christ, well, it grows faithful Bible teachers, committed to Christ's words, and so who then correctly handle the word of truth. It literally means to cut the, the, the truth straight in a straight path so that people understand what God is saying, what God is calling them to. And I'm sure each of you can testify that Paul Pease has been such a faithful Bible teacher who's helped us understand God's word as he's taught it and applied it into our lives. And he's been doing it for decades. And such Bible teachers are approved by God and have no need to be ashamed, no matter what people say. Fifthly, grace grows clean vessels. Have a look at verse 20. Another great picture here. Uh, in a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes, some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. And if you look at verse 19 and verse 22, either side of those verses, it's all about purity. It's about holiness. And so the clean vessels here are a picture of a pure and a holy life. And that is what the grace of Christ also grows. A desire for purity from what is not noble, from all sin and error. Jesus, Jesus died for your sin. So let his dying love for you motivate you to turn from sin so that you're a vessel for noble use and one that can be used by Jesus, the master of the house, for good works. And then last picture, that grace grows. Grace grows Lord's servants. In verses 24 to 26, are what every godly church leader aspires to 
and what every church member needs in their life and in their leaders. Look at verse 24. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. And the grace of Christ grows such people, servant hearts that are gentle with people, not quarrelsome, longing the Lord will give them repentance, a knowledge of the truth, and deliverance from the devil's many traps. So back to verse 1. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. His grace, it is enough for you. It's enough for me. Let's lean hard into that grace because it's grace that turbocharges spiritual snails like you and like me. For the grace of Jesus Christ, it grows a soldier's focus, an athlete's obedience, a farmer's sweat, unashamed workers, clean vessels, and Lord's servants. And as verse 7 says, reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this.